Talking Dice Masters, the beauty of the underlying mechanics, the hidden complexities and the strategy, tactics, and decisions of competitive play. If you're just starting the game or have been here since the first set, hopefully you'll find something in this show that'll do you some good. So shake up your bag, reconnoiter your opponent, and get ready to roll. Welcome back, ye of the tumbling dice, to another episode of Rollin' Thunder. The theme of today's episode is theme itself, and it's brought to you in all its tantalizing transcendence by the letter T. To help us dig into this weighty topic, we have with us today not one, not two, but three experts in their respective fields to help illuminate what makes a card particularly thematic and to provide some examples so let's get this train throttling down the tracks see what i did there lucan yes that was cringeworthy in a sesame street kind of way <laughs> right first up <laughs> many of you may have met him at the world championships in graceland last year a fellow southern californian a veteran of the dice master scene and most importantly for the purposes of this episode an avid reader of marvel comics I want to extend a very warm welcome to our friend, Mr. Patrick Kellenberger. Hello, everybody. Patrick, welcome to Rolling Thunder, my man. Hi. Well, happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> my first podcast. So. so different from just being outside comic here or you. Yes, right. <laughs> and also, not only because of their individual expertise in the intellectual properties known as DC Comics and Warhammer 40K, but because you fans have demanded that we do this again after our last foray on the airwaves. I give you Chris, True Mr. Six Williams, and Andy England from the Ministry of Dice to give you their thoughts on DC and Warhammer, respectively. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you very much. He actually he actually wrote intros for us this time, Andy. Did you notice that? Well, yeah, I wondered where like, I, I thought I had to write it. I think after after. Uh, well, would you like to give your own idea? I mean, we... you, you can either go and ad lib one right now, or you can go write one up and then send that to us, and then we'll read it for you. Yeah. <laughs> we can make it all happen through the magic of technology. That sounds dangerous. Well, first up, let's try to define what we mean when we say a card is particularly thematic. What what do we mean by theme? Chris, you want to start with this? Kick us off here. Yeah. Okay. I can I can get us kicked off. So uh, after you message me, Arja put some thought into this and i think the distinction when it comes to tabletop gaming is whether the 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 game is built using the source material as the influencing factor to what you're creating or whether you've got a game already existing and then you try and kind of fit an intellectual property into the game that that's there already so dice masters i believe is particularly a thematic game despite some views I've kind of seen knocking around because the the starting point is the source material of the comic books or you know the, the wrestling or the the cartoons etc and then the game texts are developed and the subtitles are, are are drawn from and the artwork is chosen from that source material as opposed to say I don't know double where you've got a game mechanic and then you just slap a an intellectual property on the top of it. Right. So when you say a game is particularly thematic, that's that's to my view. It's where's the starting point? Where's the where's the kickoff point for the game? Cool, cool. Patrick, you got anything you want to add to that? 
Yeah, I agree. I think Dice Masters especially lends itself to allowing for that kind of thematic attachment to the source material. You know, you want something that's going to be evocative of the character, make you really like connect mm-hmm. and think, oh, this, this, I could see this mechanic working with this character very well. Because Dice Masters is a combat-based game and it's one-on-one, it, it ties into basically all of the sets that they've attached to so far. Obviously, all the comic book ones are straightforward. Warhammer can generally come down to my understanding is a one-on-one player game and then obviously the pro wrestling set D&D they all involve that kind of battle so for sure for sure Andy any thoughts I'm sure we'll get into it later but looking through certainly the Warhammer cards with a little bit more detail and, and from the cards that we know from yesteryear it is something that I feel that Dice Masters could definitely do better with interesting okay mm. yep so but, but, but basically, I think we we're all in agreement that a card that is really well-themed or is a thematic card, somehow the abilities on that character mirror what those abilities would be in the comic. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Before we jump into specifics on each, each card that we think are particularly well-crafted in terms of, of mirroring theme, let's kind of look back at the overall, I think even Dice Masters as an overall construct, had thematic ideas built into its core concept. Like if we talk about the underlying original energy types, and now they've kind of moved away from this in the, in the past, but if we look at the energy types, we've got you know fists tended to go with big beat sticks and bruisers. Mm-hmm. Bolts tended to be the direct damage, you know, shoot you from afar. Characters like Cyclops sure. or, or or pyro, pyro, or, or things sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. Shields kind of were defensive cards with big defenses that protect you from your opponent's control or also from their combat damage as well. Yeah, originally, and then masks they mm-hmm. they said were kind of like they're supposed to be sneaky and stealthy and controlly originally. <laughs> Now, you know, a lot of this has all changed. You know, now we see characters like Nobby doing direct damage as a fist or... Uh, Hal Jordan doing direct damage as a mask. Or, right, right, but but right. I think they try to stick to it for the most part. It's funny, I think, as we get through, you might want to look at, like, how some of the cards, I think the ones where they maybe even have had trouble finding good theme for, have even shifted energy type over the over the years. Uh, <laughs> yes. But we, we, but we can get to that as, as, as we go. So let's just start with DC. Chris, let's start with a couple of cards from DC that you think really capture the theme well well i think yeah uh, dc i think largely speaking is, is possibly one of the ips that captures theme particularly well in dice masters comparable to uh, maybe because of the size of the card pool comparable to marvel but what, one thing that, that has always stood out to me and this may well be because of my fanboy status in this space is the way that the justice league and the batman-y stuff all tie together Mm-hmm. So some examples of that would be the Robins, uh, a large proportion of the Robins all rely on a Batman to gain a benefit, uh, you know, specifically Boy Wonder um, getting his, his his stat bump as a result of a, a, a Batman being in the field or uh, the promo one whose subtitle escapes me right now. But the uh, the Batman animated series, one that, that becomes unblockable when Batman's in the field. Yep. So those little kind of two or three card synergies that are centered around a partnership or, or a team membership. So I mentioned Justice League a moment ago, like the way that Retaliation was, was first constructed in the early days in the Justice League set speaks to me from a point of view of like this is it we work as a team and you know if you if you're not one of ours on the ass the rest of us are going to come back and (laughs) you know work as a unit and come back stronger and not 
you on your ass and it's um you know so there's that kind of affiliated synergy going on with the justice league guys right. and then chucking in stuff like wonder woman who's a very inspirational first into the fight kind of character and she's reducing the fielding cost of everyone behind her or batman in the later set in the justice campaign box who's again kind of very much seen as a kind of central leadership role within the justice league is giving everyone a stat bump and making them field for less because he's he's taking that leadership position and, and taking them to a particular space so that, that's that's something that's always stood out to me and immediately springs to my mind when when you ask kind of where's the theme in the dc sets cool cool andy what do you think well, do you think like retaliation obviously that's big that's nice because it, it gels the justice league uh, affiliation together but um it's not specifically kind of it doesn't scream Justice League, does it? It just screams anything to do with a team that works together. Right. So, so you could almost like have retaliation as one of the core game rules within any affiliation to try and push it more towards a, a thematic game. That's true. You could say, okay, well, you know, this is a rule for all of them. Then, so if you've got I don't know two X Men out, one gets knocked out, it does a point of damage or does something similar, you know, and then. The cards themselves, like you said about Wonder Woman, make sense because she's, you know, inspirational. She gets in there first. Let's everyone else, one less to field, isn't it? Yeah. But for every card like that, you got about 50 that make about no sense whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about this because it's not easy to really sometimes capture these characters' abilities in card text and sometimes you look at your scratch your head like why did that come up so i wanted to you know take a moment especially when like they're cards that come back over and over again it's like how many times can you reinvent hulk so that he's still doing big damage to a bunch of stuff when he gets hit because he's angry or just have over crush and be big right. how many times can you do that in an original but, way but they have done hulk well in the terms of like you know that idea of the matter he gets, the stronger he gets. They've there's several cards, and maybe we can talk about this in the future that that really kind of reflect that, and, and including Mister Fixit in there. But but I like what you were talking about, Chris, about the Robin cards because you're right. There are certain cards that have keep coming back, and and they are thematic, like Robin being this pal of Batman, and you need to have Batman in the field for him to really be able to do his thing. I mean, there's a bunch of those that are out there. I mean, we think about. I'm thinking off the top of my head, like Doctor Strange, for example. He's a magician, right? So he works with spells, and they're considering action spells. So a lot of Doctor Strange cards enhance action abilities. Speaking of Doctor Strange, Patrick, what's your, what's your thought? Have you got a couple of uh, ones that you might like to talk about right off the top? Yeah, certainly. The first one that came to me when we started talking about this was a lot of the older AVX stuff, especially because I thought they really tried to capture the theme in those first couple sets. If you think of the card Cyclops Slim, mm-hmm. where he basically deals damage to everybody, yep. to your opponent's entire field, that ties exactly into Cyclops' power and exactly what his mutant ability, what he's doing. You mentioned Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, Green Goliath. Yeah, Green Goliath. Yeah, for sure. It's the whole you hurt me, I hurt you <laughs> thing. So, okay, I'm injured. Guess what? I'm taking you, your friends, your family, everybody I can. They're all going out as well. Uh, when I was doing looking through all this, a lot of the X-Men seemed to tie in pretty well thematically. At least there was always a couple in each set. You know, Kitty Pride in both Uncanny X-Men and X-Men Forever, mm-hmm. Shadow Cat and Madam Mist- uh, Headmistress, respectively, where she basically can't be blocked. I mean, her entire ability is being able to phase through things, so it kind of really lends itself to a combat game like this. Yep. And in the newer set, one that really jumped out was Pip the Troll, the rare card that allows you to get rid of two of your opponent's dice, change them to any energy side you want. 
if you've read any of the old Warlock stuff or Infinity Watch, you know that Pip the Troll is kind of the pain in the butt. <laughs> and they never seem to know if he's actually worth the time and the effort or not to keep around. And I kind of attribute that as a five cost. But yeah. then he comes through when you need it. And that kind of ties directly into the theme of that Infinity Gauntlet card. Like It's yeah. five, it's expensive, but... If it works when you need it, it's invaluable. That's really cool. Yeah. I would also say to what Lucan was saying, how many times can you reinvent the same character? I mean, that's the most thematic thing of all when it comes to the comic sets, because Mm -hmm. that's what comic books do. They venture (laughs) away, they venture away, and then they always come back to that square one. Hulk's always going to end up being Hulk again, and DC Superman's always going to end up being Superman. And so you're always going to go back to that initial power set. That's interesting. Could you guys talk about maybe a a card or a character or something where, you know, say Hulk, we're just talking Hulk for now. Like, you know, Hulk has sometimes been Grey Hulk. Sometimes he's been Green Crazy Hulk. Sometimes he's been, you know, the newest unkillable Hulk. Can you think of a card or a set of cards that reflect where a character would be in certain storylines specifically and how they might differ from other cards that reflect where the character would have been at another time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the War of Light set's clearly a, a very firm example of that because it's centered around a very particular event in the in the DC universe, uh, in the comic book universe, and it's following a particular narrative that took place. And so many of the characters in there are the the warlike version of that character that's aligned to one of the the kind of lantern ring energy patterns. Uh, another one that springs to mind is Scarlet Witch. I, w- I just recently did a video about the uh, Avengers Disassembled OP kit and the promo Scarlet Witch in there is a very thematic, very specific game text that, that speaks to what was going on with that character at that time in the narrative um, and the impact that she had in the real comic book storyline. Just for those of you who might be wondering what that particular promo Scarlet Witch does, she reads, Scarlet Witch, Avengers Disassembled. While Scarlet Witch is active, all Avengers character dice get minus two attack and minus three defense. She's kind of the mother of Avengers hate. So there's two examples I can think of. That's cool. Patrick, you got anything? Yeah, I would say if you're looking at kind of my favorite of that kind of character growth and change in the stories there's there's really two of them first is green goblin gobby all the way to norman osborne don't call me gobby um if you look at the character he starts out as a bolt he's throwing pumpkin bombs everywhere and he's using his bystanders against your opponent which is a very green goblin thing to do like oh look at all these weakling characters i'm gonna make sure their existence hurts you right if you look at the history of the character The Norman Osborn card actually really refers to when he was running S.H.I.E.L.D. and turning it to Hammer during the Dark Reign period after Tony Stark got ousted as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's much more in charge. He's basically having his operatives move around and he's much more likely to respond with direct attack, let's say, in the comic series. If you're looking, he goes to a fist energy, which I think ties in nicely. And he changes it from, I'm going to use the bystanders against you to, I'm going to use the other villains that are in the area and they're the ones that are going to hurt you. And I think that's pretty much directly spot on for the change from the initial Green Goblin that you see early on in comics to that era post-Civil War where he is much more in the background being a mastermind of things. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a really cool example. And the other thing you brought up that I want to mention before we move on too quickly is that a good theme card isn't just about the text that's on the card. Like you mentioned stats with Pip. Mm -hmm. And that, that really struck me. Like the purchase cost can also be 
not just the purchase cost, but the A and D can also be reflective of that character, like Cyclops you brought up. You know, he mm-hmm. had that powerful ability, but he wasn't really that tough on his bottom side. So you could knock him out before he got to the tax step. I think that die reflected him as well. The fact that he didn't have, you know, all that much defense on him, which I thought is another point of this that we shouldn't skip over too quickly. I think. Yeah. And especially with that Cyclops die, the fielding cost, I think, is important there as well. Yeah. There are some, obviously, that vary the fielding cost very wildly. Going back to Pip, I think it's zero one zero. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, it's Pip. <laughs> he doesn't make a ton of sense. Cyclops, one, one, one. He is right. the most steady consistent character you're going to have at least until later on when he goes a little off the rails right yeah well it's phoenix is not the first time it's done that to someone and it won't be the last (laughs) well maybe we should talk about some characters who are generally themed like some of the big ones really quickly another character who i think is really good when it comes to just like theming for different arcs is a lot of people give hawkeye crap from the age of ultron set because they're all just terrible and they do a little thing but then they damage you too which i think is like reflective of instead of the usual hawkeyes like when fielded deal five damage to a sidekick or something like that something that's not too exciting that one was at least like you know the hawkeye that we saw in the my life as a weapon arc where he was very irresponsible and a lot more down to earth and kind of screwing people over more than he was actually helping the problems that he was trying to solve. (laughs) Right. Mm. So like, again, cards don't have to be good in order to be thematic at all. And it can still be appreciated even when they suck. Kate Bishop would also be an example of that because the common Kate Bishop was again, Hawkeye's pupil at that point in time. And obviously Hawkeye was not a very good teacher at that, in that arc at all. So (laughs) that would be. (laughs) That's interesting. Hawkeye's never been good. I'm just going to go on record right now as a no, comic he used reader. To be I'm never going to say, like, oh, that's when Hawkeye was valuable. No. no he used to just be kind of generic, though, right? Generic but worthless. But that was like, <laughs> he was very generic. Like, most of his abilities are like, oh, KO the sidekick or deal four damage to something when fielded. This is when we got to see him be not useless, but definitely unuseful, like actively unuseful, right? (laughs) Which is the thematic, yeah, I guess. You know, he may harm you more than help you, right? See, now I would say Hawkeye was thematic when he was basically, he did one thing and then you never thought about him again. Because I feel like in a lot of comics, that's how Hawkeye's written, especially in the two comics. Ah, it's Hawkeye. He got him. Thanks, Hawkeye. Go sit in the corner. Well, let's talk a little bit quick about some of the broad thematic archetypes. You mentioned some already, Chris, with with Robin and Batman and Wonder Woman, which I think are great examples. I mean, from Marvel, I was thinking maybe Captain America. When I think of Captain America, overall, I think of a guy who is inspiring and helps sidekicks, right? There's a lot of sidekick help with him. Mm. Like Toad, I think, is another one who... You know, it's a little weenie who taunts people. Toad, you think taunt, he's like sticking his tongue out at you and daring you to come across. The one right? thing that's fun about Toad is in in real life, if you taunt someone, you get smacked in the face. That's really not a very powerful thing. In terms of what his actual power is, Toad should be like a two cost, maybe a three cost if you're being very generous. But because of just the way that the game works, forcing someone to attack is a lot stronger than it is in comic books right so right or it's kind of awkward that he costs five despite being so weak and having such a powerful ability yeah well i was thinking we had mentioned nick fury earlier too like and his cards generally help avengers which makes sense right Mm -hmm. so anybody else that you can think of off the top that we talked about dr strange any other ones that have you think kind of overarching this card usually does this kind of thing so what one particular archetype that uh, i mean i've been trying to make him work for ages but I've never quite made the team, but Hawk and Dove, you know, 
just stepping in from the DC point yeah. of view. Their, their cards are, are very typically and thematically built around what they are and what they represent in the DC universe in every aspect, really. You know, in the very early days, Hawk and Dove were written to be this sort of representative of the kind of hardline Republican hawk side of American politics in the late 60s compared to the pacifist doves. And so you can see in their game text that, you know, you were talking about stats before. Dove's got very high defense numbers. She All her stuff is about when she's KO'd or when you take damage, coming back into play. Mm -hmm. Whereas the hawk character is is the aggressive one. He's got the highest attack stats. He's got a direct damage element on the uncommon, I think, off the top of my head. So just when I was doing a bit of research, in prep for this that was something that stood out to me and because they're two cards that i've tried to build teams around in the past as well right yeah that hawk dove combo can be fun when you can get it to all work and it really does feel thematic when it fires off right yeah and and, and it's based on the the dawn granger and the hank hall characters who were you know there's kind of a romantic thing going on and so the way he responds to stuff that happens to her dice could be reflective of that so you've got these kind of layers in there not only is it about the kind of what they represent in the dc universe broadly speaking but then drilling down to the actual kind of character interactions and how they play compared to how they exist in the comic book i, I really like those kind of when it's between two cards things like hawk and dove and cloak and dagger had it to some degree as well uh, when you have like the duos that they like specifically name each other that's cool i like that a lot rocket and group would probably be like the newest good example yeah. of that oh and i see my dad's got two others there two of my favorite so things can be a card itself cannot just be thematic but you're right these combos like the hawk dove or rocket group combo one of my favorite combos that i thought was just awesome thematically was the op colossus and wolverine combo that they fastball came out special. with you know the fastball special yeah. right out of the comics and you could use it so that, you know, Wolverine lets Colossus field for free, who then gives Wolverine overcrush, and then you chuck Wolverine into your opponents with a fastball special. I I thought that was particularly a really fun thematic combo. And and the cards themselves had it, you know, like Wolverine, for example, had Regenerate, which makes sense for him. And Colossus had Iron Will, which, you know, makes sense for a guy made out of metal metal skill. was an interesting one because i think that originated on the dc side was superman right it it did yeah yeah, and that makes a ton of sense for some of these characters like you said colossus you know less so on the hulk i think regenerate fits more for the hulk but for these big beefy guys it makes a lot of sense like if you did a thanos with iron will it's like yeah that totally ties in you're never going to get him on the first bite it's going to take some time I would also say in terms of the card combos, I think they tried to do that a lot with Thanos and the Black Order in the newest set. Mm-hmm. To to some success, I think there there is some synergy there. I don't know if they were able to capture the Black Order completely, but it does, a lot of it does help to get you to Thanos, which if you've read the series they initially came in, Jonathan Hickman's Infinity, it it makes sense that that is like, yeah, we're here. We're just getting to the main event. We're going to keep stalling a bit. So yeah. I and totally you- agree that the Black Order surrounding Thanos and the function of that in the game definitely works well. But I also think that a lot of them are just super big missed opportunities. Like yeah. Corvus Glaive should have the thing where he's immortal while he has his, his staff and the staff mm-hmm. can cut through anything. Blank text, like what is that even? Black Swan's ability is pretty cool too and gain life when you energize. Right. I look, I love the rare black swan, super cool ability, but it has nothing to do with her actual ability. <laughs> right. I just felt like they were they were cool a lot of the times, but missed opportunities because a lot of their powers are so cool. Like 
Black Dwarf was the one that they got most right, I think, and that's also probably the most straightforward ability, though, out, out of all of them. But you're right, Patrick, in terms of all of them ended up being sacrificed for the cause of Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's definitely yeah. in there, right? <laughs> and I, I would I would agree with Luke in 100%. Like, there's so many things they could have done with the Black Order to make them more thematic to those characters, but they did at least say, okay, well, we're getting to the big boy, so let's stick with that at the right. very least. I wonder if that's maybe a bit of a mismatch sometimes between like the television or the movie representation of a mm-hmm. character compared to the comic book representation of a character. Yeah. Because individuals such as ourselves, Patrick, sometimes, and I'm getting the sense this is true also of Arjun Lucan, we, we've engaged with decades worth of of a depth of lore and twists and turns and 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 very comic booky melodrama for lack of a better <laughs> phrase right whereas the black order have clearly got a kind of a new sense of popularity attached to them off the back of the marvel cinematic universe and you could argue that their card game texts are perhaps a little even though it's the infinity artwork and the source material is the comic book. Maybe the game texts are a little bit more reflective of who the characters were in the films. Yeah. And let's be honest, a very small element of the films compared to who they are to us comic book fans who've actually engaged with these characters many, many times before. That's interesting, Chris. I was just thinking about that with uh, Yandu, for example. Like the comic book Yandu, you yeah. know, kind of was like, yeah. he was a kind of a combination of tiger shark with Native American mythology and <laughs> yeah. Hawkeye in space in the future, right? With so, many fins. With many stuff. fins and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so you would think maybe if you were going to do the comic book version of him, he would be have kind of Hawkeye's ability. But, you know, the cinematic version of Yandu, who can whistle and make this magical electronic arrow kill multiple people at once works really well with his card. So, you know, that card that they put out with he when he's field he does damage to everybody, kind of like that arrow would do in the movie. So, it's interesting that you say that because I was just thinking that. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this for Infinity Gauntlet. None of the cards feel unthematic, but they also a lot of them feel like they could have been so much more, right? Like Spider-Man, I know I know you love Spider-Man, Patrick, but that ability it doesn't feel unthematic like because <laughs> he webs someone up and it, they go away, right? It's not unthematic. But we were talking about Spider-Man's main ability, the Spider-Sense. I, I think of that as his main ability, right? Because it's kind of the coolest one, I think, right? But that they've never truly represented that in Dice Masters. He always like pulls the curtain or does stuff with other Spider-Friends. They've never done something where, like, I think a cool ability for Spider-Man would be, like, your opponent has to draw their dice on your turn during your main step. And then you get to see what they're going to draw and plan the rest of your main step and attack step around that. Yeah, that'd be that cool. would be a cool ability. Or yeah. like for a, a one or two energy more, you could have it so that they have to draw and roll their dice on your turn during your main step. And then you can judge the rest of your turn off that. That would be cool. See, it's kind of out there, though. But I like yeah. it when they do out their stuff. Yeah, I, I feel like something like that. It, it seems great in theory, but I also think that's pretty game-breaking as well, too. <laughs> I think that's where you've got to balance the, like, okay, we want it to be thematic, but this basically, that's such a huge advantage on your next turn. Like, oh, you're doing that. Okay, well, I know what you got to do now, so. I'm glad that they, when the, when the designers kind of reach outside and do things, like I think of some of the characters who I think are particularly thematic were kind of, I don't know when I say game-breaking, but certainly had an impact in the game. I'm Like the rare collector from uh, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy jumps to mind. I mean, I think that's so 
so perfectly thematic mm-hmm. that he can just reach into his collection of stuff and bring it out whenever he feels like and and yours too because his collection is so expansive you know or like that super <laughs> yeah. rare mimic i think is a great one who you know just like in the comics is as long as he was close enough to one of these people he could copy all of their abilities and so as long as they're in the field he he gets them uh, i think that was another one with that really was a wonderfully themed card a- any other ones that <clears throat> we should talk about before we you know jump on to the next topic aunt may um well- <laughs> Excellent She gets killed by your opponent, and then Spider-Man comes flying in. That's cool, yeah. That's I like it. Chris, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, well, there's quite a few like that uh, to agree with Lucan, but one one card that was that's particularly competitive and popular from a meta perspective that has always stood out to me as being particularly thematic is Hope, Pluripotent Echopraxia. Yeah. You know. Her whole thing in the comic book is one of the firstborn new mutants and she's got, she can copy other mutants' abilities when she's within their proximity and that mm-hmm. is almost word for word what the game text does and the impact it has on the game. Yeah. Would you agree that it seems like they've nailed more than any in terms of theme, the characters that copy things, they've really nailed pretty well. Like the absorbing man, even the common yeah. absorbing man. And is that did yeah. you guys feel that Doppelganger. way too or no? Yeah. Low key. Low key yeah. One of the actions that I always thought was really great too was the batarangs. All the batarangs I think they got it pretty well too about just going <laughs> ting 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 down the line and kidding vil- villains and then having boomeranging coming back. I always thought that was really great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know I'm a big fan of that Batarang. Yeah. Two-Face's coin is like that, but but just to me, because simply it's a coin flip. Like it, <laughs> right. doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what it mm. does. It's like the act of having to roll the die and have a 50-50 shot. Yeah, that's spot on. That's <laughs> yep. literally exactly uh, <laughs> what you're getting. No, I always wanted one that it was always, with Two-Face's coin, it was always going to come up heads. It always comes up right. So half well, the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's heads on both sides. How come I, how come I can't get a die? I needed a die like that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, while we're talking about kind of out there concepts, do any of you remember um, Super Villain Team Up from back in the like 70s, was it? Yeah. They should add that affiliation, like the villains except they team up affiliation into the game. They work together and get bonuses because a lot of them are really powerful, but at the same time, they all have to work against each other because the, the moral <laughs> of every story is you put a bunch of villains together, they're all just trying to backstab each other the whole time. They don't get anything done. That would yeah, be a fun it, affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to be something where, oh, you do this really cool thing and then you have to ko all the other villains whoever have the lowest defense have to be ko'd yeah. <laughs> it's not like at the end of the turn like no you guys yeah. are gone that's it i mean dr doom had a little bit of that like <laughs> killing all the sidekicks because he doesn't surround himself by people because he might get rid of them accidentally for incompetence so like, I, we talked about copying some of those being really good thematic cards the other ones i was thinking like for win a ko'd effects I really liked Nitro, for example. I always thought that was a really cool card in terms mm-hmm. of capturing mm-hmm. his ability. He, when he blows up, he blows up everybody else or somebody else. Any other Win Kaotums that jump to your mind that think, oh, that's that would work? Dove, you said, which I think is great, right? Anything else? Yeah, although it's Haw- Hawk actually carries the game sets, doesn't he? Yeah. When, when Dove is KO'd, he, he reacts, he responds. But yeah, uh, right. absolutely. There was a dead shot with a Win KO'd. Yeah. Does that make sense, Andy, do you think? Um, he, he shoots everybody, but... Like Will Smith. That shot, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it doesn't that that's my it's... You know, Andy, while we have you here, I want to talk a little Warhammer too. Is there anything like oh, yeah. I I don't know hardly anything about Warhammer. Is there anything about those cards? Can you name a few of those that are particularly well themed for for the Warhammer universe? I I look through I, I look through today cuz that the thing with Warhammer is that it's coming from a game right. which 
has it kind of set up so there are different armies or affiliations which is you know similar to those masters that have their own kind of set differences or you know how to play and that they play differently because i was having a look through and, and we've all got the cards and it's very exciting having warhammer cards for what we did get there is kind of a, a theme obviously you're looking at a, an army so you don't have an individual so you haven't got you have some individual characters but you also have like generic tank right g- generic kind of assault troopers from different kind of armies overall you've got if you go into kind of for example the ultramarines they have some themes in the way that you've, you've got the character that gives it like a buff which is it's, it's quite a generic way you know most generals leaders captains whatever give a buff to their troops sure. uh, so as much as it works on that theme you know you, you're talking about a character like Robal Gilliman from the ultramarines who's like there's a whole library of books that are about the whole Horus heresy and, and his involvement and there's like all this background and lore that like fleshes out that character right and he gives them plus one i think it's plus one attack i think one of them has regenerate and that's it <laughs> and you think yeah i get it but you know could you've done a little bit more i mean with, yeah. with the ultramarines their theme behind it is that they're like they're noble brave honorable that like they're warrior monks basically and th- one of the things with space marines is that they know no fear that's like their catchphrase they they don't root off the battlefield they'll tactically withdraw if they have to and that seems looking from the ultramarine cards to be represented in a lot of things you can have a card pretty much that preps to die for doing something be it an ultramarine gets ko'd or deals combat damage or does this or does that then you get to prep a die which again is is cool and, and it gives them more of a synergy and a theme this is what they're about you can prep a die when you do stuff but on the flip side could you not have done something a bit more cool like they're, they're no <laughs> right. no fear they, they, they they're, they're like fearless brave warriors so maybe something maybe we're having regenerate as a keyword on all the cards so you know they ain't going away or ko'd you know where the end of the turn you know ko'd dice come back it's an ability we've seen before it's actually in one of the orc cards right but something that represents that kind of main factor of this army that you've got is that they're they're all as nails and they're, they're not going to run away and i'd like doing something on that vein um, I've talked a lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, because we've talked about characters, but and we talked a little bit about actions like with the Batarang, but there's other actions that I want to throw out there that I think are pretty thematic and cool, like Bifrost. I think those are cool. You know, it's the rainbow bridge, and it brings characters in when, when you roll it, which I think is appropriate. Any other actions that you can think that, that make sense to you? Cerebro. Yeah. I'm trying to load it up so I can have a look. I know it's really annoying. Yeah. How do you spell Cerebro? It makes people, you put it on a card and it makes the characters from that card cost at least two to field. Or the one that you put it on and whenever you field it, it knocks somebody out. That X-Men, you know? Oh, Cerebro was terrible. (laughs) I have no idea what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) You've been on the the narrow end of that one, Patrick. Uh, Yeah, with I think some of the people on this call, if memory serves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well... You know, the Cerebro, yeah, Luke loves Cerebro. You know, some of the other ones, I always thought like Nova Corps uniform was pretty well themed too. You put it on, you get stronger, or you put it on, you can fire blazers or whatever. You know, I think that was cool. I always wished, like one of the cards I think they kind of half got and they could complete it with an action card was Bishop. You know, because, Luke, and you, you were mentioning this earlier. You want to... Oh, sure. Like, he can absorb non-kinetic energy. Actually, why don't we just talk about Shaw? Because that's, like, the whole thing missed versus Bishop, who's only half the thing missed, right? Bishop stops all the non-combat damage to you, right? Which is half of his ability. He can also, like, shoot it back out. But Shaw 
right? He can absorb all the energy and then punch you back because he can absorb that and turn it into kinetic energy. But his cards, he's been in the game twice. They're all just utter wastes. <laughs> like, he's got two blank text cards, I think, and, like, one of them has overcrush, and then the other does something super generic. Never more than one line of text on that guy. One of them has regenerate, and then you take damage if he regenerates. Like, what a missed opportunity. Shaw was so cool in the comics, too. Probably my favorite member of the Hellfire Club, maybe. Up there for sure. Yeah, definitely you right? wanted to punch him. And, and then he then he like, hit you back. <laughs> my favorite my, my favorite fight in like all of the original run, or one of my favorite fights, I don't know if it's actually my favorite, so up there was Storm and Colossus versus Shaw. That was like such a high mm-hmm. intensity fight. Colossus is out here like trying to beat the ever living daylights out of Shaw and it's just not working at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's it's a great but fight. Doesn't this go back to what you guys were saying earlier regarding kind of the film versus comic book? Like Shaw is a known character in comic circles and he's very respected. But he's not a popular character in terms of general public non-comic book reading. Like, he appeared in the one X-Men First Class movie, and he was kind of the throwaway initial villain to get things rolling. That's kind of what some of the characters I have felt that haven't been very thematic. Some of that has been just due to the popularity of the character, Mm. in my opinion. Somebody like Shaw... They're not going to put a lot of time in because they've got to get the other ones correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's interesting. That's interesting. That makes sense. You know, I was thinking, uh, before we drop the action thing, I wanted to think, because Lucan had mentioned that they half got Bishop. Like, he can absorb all this energy. But his other part mm-hmm. of his ability was she, he can shoot it back. It'd be cool if they made an action, like Bishop's gun or whatever, that you could attach to him so that when you mm-hmm. took direct damage, you could fire it back at your opponent, which would be really pretty cool, I think. Mjolnir as well in AVX I thought was really spot on. It's just six damage to a villain or if he's especially spicy, eight damage to each villain. Right. Yeah, that's kind of perfect for that action. That's exactly what it should be. Right, right. While we're on this, what should be? Is there any characters that you've seen in the game that you feel like, boy, they just have not gotten this? Why haven't they gotten this? Off the top of your head, what what are your top three characters you wish they had done better or could do better? Chris, why don't we start with you? Absolutely, I'm I, I'm locked and loaded on this one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think just for in acknowledgement of the double burst guys, we'd be remiss not to mention the Flash yes. at this point here. <laughs> um, so yeah. the, something that, that they talked about a great deal about, and I agree with them. You know, an iconic, you know, <laughs> staple member of the DC Justice League kind of central lineup, right. and has never quite. They've never quite got it right. <laughs> not even uh, fast. Not even. You, 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 not, they didn't, you say they never quite got it right, but saying they didn't quite get it right infers that they even got close, <laughs> which they never did. <laughs> well, I, think, I think they made one of them unblockable, kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah but you couldn't pump him. You couldn't, he's just... Yeah, and he cost yeah, a fortune, so it took a long time to get him out in the field, which was anti-Flash. He cost, like, I think he cost either four or five. But he had, he's always had a TFC of six, which is just impossible. Right. Yeah, he should have impulse yeah. right into the so field that, and then unblockable, right? I mean, that, that's the Flash. Absolutely, yeah. Always worth it. I think they gave fast to one of the Barry Allens, didn't they? they I think they did, um, yeah. Yeah, so that, you did, that would be yeah. the go-to keyword on all of the Flash's... In cards, wouldn't it? Yeah. That'd be like a no-brainer. That'd be the first day of sitting down and organising it. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, what's your uh, number two, Chris? The, out of curiosity, the uh, the, the Joker. I would I would say that the Joker is arguably the most iconic DC villain, and I just feel like even though there's been some decent-ish 
Joker cards, and thematically there is a few bits going on. There was a bit of Harley Quinn synergy, wasn't there, in the earlier sets? Yeah. But he's just not quite central enough of a character to build a team around, and I think maybe he should be. Right. It's the Joker, you know? The only one I can think that Red Hood is induces enough chaos that it's sort of Jokery, but not really, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I suppose that's the balance between game design and theme that we we keep kind of circling around, isn't it, really? But I just he's such an iconic... DC villain, if you stopped the average layperson on the street and said, just comic book villains, who's the nastiest, craziest <laughs> piece of work? Right. I think the Joker would be the first thing that comes out of most people's mouths. And he's, he's just not kind of, you know, you can't build a team around a Joker or there's not quite one that stands out in that way, mm-hmm. you know? That's interesting. <laughs> and then uh, Wonder Woman, uh, just I'm staying in my DC lane, I feel like even though I, I mentioned one earlier on that felt particularly thematic, and there has been one that's fairly meta, I don't know, I just feel like there's something more there with Wonder Woman. In fact, that whole sort of trinity of Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, I think we can carve Batman off because he's actually got some pretty decent cards, but they're just ever so slightly off the mark with them sometimes, thematically speaking. Yeah, especially Superman. You know, he's so powerful in the comics and he's not particularly useful without Jimmy Olsen, right? To design a card around because it feels like the ideal Superman card in terms of theme is just like slap a ton of keywords on there and then be like, (laughs) okay, we did a good job here, which is kind of difficult, right? Because it's like Iron Will, Overcrush, Regenerate, Fast. Like, they all apply to Superman, right? Right. So it, that's a tricky one. Is there any other one you were thinking off the top of your head, Chris, that you really were like, oh, man, they've missed this character. I wish they would do it better. Yeah, I think, so again, I, the the way I, I sort of reconcile that, that question of, is has there been a missed opportunity is around what I believe their significance and their cultural kind of recognition factor are and their importance to the comic book lore. So I would like a Superman that a team could be formed around that was perhaps more competitive or had... I'm struggling to articulate, but I think you're getting what I'm saying. Same with the Joker. He's an iconic villain. There should be... He could be a central point to build a team off the back of. And he doesn't have to be the next meta world championship winning team, but I think there should be just a little bit more hanging off them in that respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Patrick, what do you think? Have you you got any characters you feel like, wow, I wish they'd get done this one, you know, more thematically? So I don't know why. I think because I've been reading a lot of X-Men, so I'm in that kind of mindset. But this one just stuck with me over and over. It's Angel. Mm -hmm. And I know, not a big character, not an exciting character, but how they haven't given Angel infiltrate in the most recent set (laughs) or something like if you look at Angel's history, he's really good at dodging. That's kind of his entire thing, especially <laughs> early on in the yep. X-Men run. And it just he's just kind of been, in my mind, a dump character. Like, yeah, okay, you get KO'd, you get to field sidekick or spin somebody up or your shield characters get a plus. And it's just, it's never... Yeah. It feels like the other original X-Men they've done okay with. And for some reason, him, they're just... Yeah, it's fine, whatever. I Probably, once again, popularity would dictate some of that as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are certain things they need to just put in. One, and it's kind of... It, this is more just a um, ability that should have been on a different character. The super rare Spider-Man from Infinity Gauntlet mm-hmm. that gives you every other affiliation on the team. Yeah. 
that needs to be on Wolverine. Like that is literally, that is Wolverine's ability right there automatically. It is on the wrong character in my mind. It's Spider-Man works okay, but if it's ever something has been made for a character, it is. Wolverine can be on every affiliation. He can be on every affiliation on the other team too. Oh, it's Warhammer? Yeah, he's on that team as well. Right. It's fine. It doesn't matter. That's, that's I, I like it on Spider-Man. He's well, been he, well, he had the, he had the, he had the Spider-Man okay. team up. He was in that comic series, so that's probably what they were yeah. thinking. You know? No, I get it, but it's just... Right. I don't. Is there a Team Wolverine isn't on? Ah! One of the ones I wish that they had gotten right when you're speaking X-Men is, is Nightcrawler. You know, yeah. like like his teleport ability. I wish he could teleport somebody out of the field zone with him when they have been taunted or something, you know. Like they did that well, I think, on one of the lockjaws, the promo lockjaw, where he could teleport in humans into the field and stuff, which I think is exactly what he does in the comics, right? So yeah, it's it's doable. And if they ever redo a Nightcrawler, I really hope. Yeah, I think you know, the biggest problem with Nightcrawler isn't the thematicness of it is bad. Like it's very not. It's definitely not good, but it's not terrible, right? The biggest problem with it is there's only one of them, and it was from the first set. We haven't had Nightcrawler in five years. We need Nightcrawler. Yeah. When we do get him, we need lots of combat shenanigans. Because, like, the ability mm-hmm. to teleport, like, a very short distance and do that a lot, is that could be super cool. Yeah, it's Masters, really fun, like, too. Yeah. Switch the things, get that going with tag out. It would be a lot of good, lot of good fun there. Yeah. Andy, you have any that you wish they had done better uh, off the top of your head? Iron Man. Yeah. Iron yeah. Man. All of Iron Man's cards are awful. And they like yeah. to give him, like, life gain. Because of his amazing healing storylines, right. <laughs> like, I don't understand why he always has the life game. But yeah, some right. cool cards for Iron Man would be amazing. Like he can shoot stuff out of the palms of his hands, like do something you know where he's fielded, you know, KO a character or do some damage to a character. He can shoot missiles out of his his shoulders. So something like airy reflecting kind of you know one damage to everything. He's you know. Th- it's kind of the basics from knowing them just from the films. And you, yeah, I don't really get well, uh, Iron Man. people suits. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Or at the, well, they kind of, and they tried to do that with suit up a little bit, right. but it didn't really. I, w- I hope they bring that one back because yeah. thematically it's a cool idea. Like yeah. they can just suit up and get a new suit and cooler suit and jump right into the field. So I don't think they made it work yet, but I, I hope they bring suit up back because it is a fun ability, you know? Mm-hmm. Hey, Andy, what do you think about his working with, I mean, I agree with you with the Iron Man cards. There isn't one that, like Chris was saying, it does. There's, there isn't a card that matches the cultural import of that character. I swear. But I do like the way it kind of works with War Machine sometimes. War Machine. Yeah, War so Machine. some of the War Machine synergy seems to be thematic. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, if I'm right, that the synergies all work from the War Machine cards. There's not a, yeah. kind right. of a, a two-way spread. So it's like, if you field a mediocre Iron Man, <laughs> your, your War Machine will become better. So, you know, use two card slots to have a, uh, a decent ability. <laughs> it works, works quite well. No, that it, it the war machine. There are some cool war machines. The one I can't remember what it does, but I know it's called. Is it called Rhodey? Yes. Or is it a random ADX, name? I think it's Parnell one. Jacobs is one as well, isn't it? Yeah. So Parnell Jacobs, which I'm guessing is someone else who wore the war machine suit. He couldn't be blocked if he had an Iron Man in the field. That was pretty cool. And then James Rose, when fielded, you have an Iron Man knockout opponent character. They were both cool. Both five costs, which is a bit weird. And then what was Rhodey was fast. No, he didn't link in with him. 
but it was a cool card. So yeah, so you could argue that War Machine, although I have to agree because I, I quite like War Machine, does actually have better cards than Iron Man. It's weird when the best <laughs> Iron Man card is a three-cost vanilla. It's, it's worrying. Because yeah. it's true, isn't it? But one of the best Iron Man cards is where it only costs three and he doesn't have any game time. Actually, he does have the Villain Maker Global twice. In UXM he had it and in Age of Ultron he had it. That was interesting. I don't know how thematic it was, but it was something. That actually, I think, is really thematic, because if you look at the history of Iron Man, if anybody's going to turn a good guy bad, it's going to be Iron Man. The last chance to get your, your wishes up for... Juggernaut. Juggernaut, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> J- juggernaut. What, there is not a Juggernaut with Unblockable or even Overcrush. Right. Juggernaut should be Unblockable, surely. Or have to do something. Yeah, I agree. And and not only Juggernaut, his arch nemesis, Professor X, Absolutely. I feel like they've never really... For a guy who is supposed to be the most powerful telepath with mind control and telekinesis, he should be able to take control of a host of characters. They've never given him that. They've given him... They've really hit his side of like he supports other mutants and other people which is great, but I always felt, felt like, and talk about the greatest miss of all time, is that Charles Xavier's Juggernaut card. I mean, yeah. that card should be so powerful, and it's such a dud. It could be so cool, too. Like, it's such a cool idea. I don't know, but they, it's just, it actively hurts you. I can't think of a bigger waste of six energy. <laughs> I would, I would, real quick, I would say, and he's only appeared once, but all but one Apocalypse card yeah. is just, like, Apocalypse is such an interesting character, and one of them they they nailed, but all the actual standard Apocalypse from Uncanny X-Men are just, yeah, okay, so you just didn't know what to do, got it. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about the one that you love, because I think that is a good oh. example of a really well-themed yeah. card. So It's the promo card, the Earth 295, and it's actually my favorite, I find it to be the most thematic card out of all of them. When you field him, re-roll everybody, and if your opponent, each character that rolls energy, they take two damage. And it's just so survival of the fittest, apocalypse, and except... Even in the survival of the fittest scenario, my opponent is still going to get hurt more than I would. Right. That is how Apocalypse rolls. That's really, really great. Any any cards where you've got, you know, there's a couple of cards from the new set that I'm going like, like Drax, for example. Like, why is Drax the complete control card? That one doesn't make sense to me in the same way that blob didn't really make sense to me in terms of theme any cards that you feel like that like they've given a powerful ability to somebody who doesn't really match their ability in the comics or in the movies well Blob, blob's whole thing Arge was was sitting on people so that's what he was doing just sitting on them. yeah <laughs> well i always felt like he couldn't be moved you know like i felt like he, he should, should be, have be iron will, will or... and regenerate and eight defense that but, would be the blob way right? but but maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong okay so you think like he just sit on people and they can't come out okay i i, I hear you there all right interesting but drax like drax why why you know drax no, i don't get the drax thing did Shriek kind of control people or blank people or stop people from doing stuff? Um, I thought the Shriek where she was fielded and blanked everybody made a lot more sense than the one where she's continually blanking. Like, she comes in, uses her ability, everybody's discombobulated for a turn, and then everybody gets back to normal. The one where she is just blanking, everyone's like, mm, kinda, I guess. A lot of those control cards... You can see, like, maybe they didn't hit the mark quite right in terms of the character. Right. Like, Loki makes sense. It makes sense with Loki. Yeah. You could put a spell on somebody and just keep them out for a while or whatever, right? But. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the Drax is really, and maybe I just haven't read enough Guardians recently. I know he went through the big transition where he, like, calling it the pacifist, I think there may be something there where he's stepped away from attacking, but I don't know if that's the case. Mm-hmm. So The only Drax I'm familiar with is the old one who had the purple cape and was all, like, <laughs> green and cheesy looking. I thought he actually looked pretty cool, though, to be honest, that old Drax. <laughs> yeah, the, the best Drax. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know who else has been misused? Mysterio. I don't even remember what he does, but he was my favorite Spider-Man villain. I just think that 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 costume looks so cool. I will maintain that that costume embodies everything that was so good about Silver Age comics, right? (laughs) It's not afraid of being campy, but that's also why it's great down-to-earth and human stories that are also super cheesy. I love it. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I I feel like they missed a lot of the Spider-Man villains and things, and I'm hoping that Mm -hmm. the new set gets them a little bit better, a little closer to their actual abilities and things actually all the sinister six literally every one of them <laughs> yeah have been talk so about like, a terrible affiliation <laughs> like all of them like because they're all i can't think of a single member of the sinister six who i'm not a fan of i like all of them and none of them have good cards yeah that's true there was a, vul- a vulture got a bit of play wasn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah, the vulture yeah but it wasn't thematic though i wouldn't say and they nerfed it didn't they yeah they did nerf it yeah although what is thematic for a vulture like he, he flies around it's hard to write a card for that he should have regenerate he's an old man who can't be killed right (laughs) flies around is there a slow as opposed to fast (laughs) makes unpleasant noises (laughs) (laughs) right well before we move on let's let's talk a little bit about how we might as tos i think every one of us here has done some toing and so as tos how might we design a local event or a variant that could focus on encouraging players to build around theme or just an event that rewards people for creating a thematic combo or using a thematic card. What, any, any thoughts on that? How about having to use characters out of one comic book mm-hmm. or at least graphic novel? That's a cool idea. I know that in Heroclix, like, different affiliations have like bonuses that like you get for that affiliation like the affiliation also has an ability and i think it like stacks the more you have of it although i've never actually played hero clicks so that's just word of mouth but i think something like that would be cool right mm-hmm. oh, it might be a little bit powerful for dice masters because you're given every two costs with an affiliation a piece of text which is <laughs> yeah i mean i was thinking along something like where if you have a thematic combo maybe if you get the promo Jalakjaw working with karnak or something or, or with medusa that would be a good one right Maybe Mm. that you can't start doing your damage until you've pulled off your thematic thing at least once, right? Who's the guy who copies all of the keywords? A Taskmaster. Taskmaster, right? Taskmaster, I always found like he was a really good thematic card, right? Because he can watch and and copy other people's abilities, right? So, like, I know there was a Taskmaster variant that was really fun for a while where you had to build around the Taskmaster and you couldn't actually start doing damage until you got a Taskmaster into the field, you know, that was part of the, the, the thing. Maybe there was another way to do a thematic build where, again, where you, you bring whatever one it is from whatever universe you've chosen, but you can't start dealing damage until you've pulled off your thematic combo, whatever it is that stated combo is. I don't know. It's an idea. But... Or something where you have to field, let's say, three different characters that have the same team affiliation before you can activate anything like that. Even, right. Not right. even just like a combo, but just you have to have enough team members to allow you to do something. Yeah, cool. Have you ever done anything like that, Chris, or something along those lines? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've we've done a lot of stuff down on our local where we've had like 
achievements to unlock, you know, like achievement lists. Yep. And then we've just the week before kind of agreed a short list of, of things and we've, we've thematically centered those. So have you played a Molnir dice while the Thor's in the field, mm-hmm. 10 points or whatever, you know, uh, have you bought a Robin using a Batmobile <laughs> <Right. you know? laughs> yeah. and done a kind of uh, Xbox achievements thing at the, behind the scenes? We've also applied restrictions to some of your more common formats, so single affiliation, but then gone on to kind of apply a, a kind of a restrictions list against it to say, if you're playing villains, they've got to be from the same IP. If you're playing actions, they have to have a thematic connection to one of the characters that's on your team. So no, you know, no random batarangs on Avengers teams or whatever, right. you know. Um, and that's got us to places as well that's been a bit more thematic in tone. Yeah, I think that definitely helps. And you, when you start building a team towards a affiliation, then you start looking for the little synergies because, you know, one out of the three cards hopefully will have something that does something to another card with an affiliation on. And, and then it, just by restricting it to single affiliation, you can really start building some cool teams like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one that I'm very proud of that right. I've played quite a few times. And they work together really well. And again, it's... Some of it is more generic synergy than kind of a more thematic. So it's things like, you know, helping each other out or kind of generic buffs and, and bonuses. But that definitely helps when you're trying to go towards a event, a single affiliation, and people start to think towards it. And then if you split the villains three ways, not that you do much with the turtles, and, and <laughs> keep the actions in, in with the theme, <laughs> right. then I think the players start building those kind of themes, those storylines for themselves. Yeah, it's cool. I, I think we, especially with those big affiliations like Avengers or X-Men or Villains, dividing it by universe is great, and maybe even dividing it even more by storyline, like we were talking. So if you're going to play Villains, it's got to come from one storyline in the Marvel or DC universe. You know, that might be something. I, I tell you what, though, you've got to be, uh, if you're to in and you've organized an event of that nature and you're placing restrictions of this kind on your restrictions list or your bans list and such like, you've got to be ready for for these folks to start coming out the woodwork and, well, I think you'll find that in the uh, DC versus Marvel crossover, 1989, on page 127, yeah, Superman did in fact hold Molnir for three for three pages. You're like, right, okay, right. you know, so you have to be you have to kind of be prepared for that sort of stuff to come out the woodwork. Right, right. Well, you know, we always put in the caveat. I mean, this is supposed to be fun, and, and, and these ones are supposed to be, you know, just chill in terms of it but we always try to put it like if you know it's that kind of that rule of reasonableness too that we got to put in there right right you know if if the majority of these dice masters players would agree that superman should not be holding me in (laughs) here then he shall not we we have actually a name for that that kind of person in our local scene i've I've got a question do you think that i mean the cards obviously we've got some that are thematic some that aren't right Uh, if there was some kind of restriction in regards to the gameplay where you had either you had to choose a, a team from an affiliation or even if you had to choose a team from an energy type where they could reuse some of the abilities on more than one card. At the moment, obviously, you can't have two Shrieks. You couldn't have a, a card that did what Shriek did and then a different card doing what Shriek did because else you'd have two on the team and it would be a nightmare. Right. But do you think that if there was more of a structure and, and say, competitive gameplay was an affiliation base, you couldn't switch between IPs and so they could reuse some of the abilities again and again and maybe kind of have them slightly tweaked, uh, do you think we would then get more thematic cards because they'd be able to restrict how they work? I don't know. I mean, 
I, I think it's... Yeah, I think yes would be the short answer. Yeah, it? yeah. Oh, I mean, at the, at the same time, you know, like, like I like the idea earlier we're talking about, like in the comics, they keep reinventing these people. So I like keeping the design space open for the designers to, you know, reimagine these cards for the new characters that are being designed. Like, for example, there was a huge storyline with Captain America being an agent of Hydra. It'd be cool... Mm. To see that kind of make its that way, was a popular one. yeah, to make that its way into Dice Masters. I mean, we've got that. They kind of did that with the Beast, right? Who nefarious geneticist, who's a villain in that one, which is neat. Or the Dark Beast, you know, where he's you know taking a little too much of his own sauce and, <laughs> and turned to the dark side. Those kind of things I think are neat, and I'm glad that they're able to exist in the in the game too. So I I would think having those kind of especially IP styled events. Cause we recently had one at our local shop comic hero you the the issue we ran into is that the card pool for something like marvel is just so much bigger than everything else so i think to make that work you would have to see a few more dc sets and even a few more D sets come out for that to really be viable right or find a way to limit the marvel one a little bit more yeah right? the other thing about the marvel we did limit it to about the same number of sets as the dc universe has but the, the thing that we found was tricky about it is that Marvel is a much more well-rounded card pool, especially recently. You can Mm -hmm. find every element of a team that you need. With DC, is the frustrating thing that both me and my dad found when we were building teams is like we have one half of the combo and we don't have the other thing. We don't have the last card. We don't have the eighth card on the team that we need to make it work. And You have to go back to the drawing board and figure it all out again. Which is actually something I like in a casual event where it Mm -hmm. it doesn't quite all lock together to like this Rube Goldberg machine that you just put the things out (laughs) and it happens. You know, well, no, no, no. no. (laughs) It's definitely good that way. But the thing is, it it doesn't work so well when one set of cards does work like a Rube Goldberg machine. The other just totally doesn't yeah so i was that's my point is i think it would be better to limit the marble side to make it more Mm -hmm. challenging and you just make more gameplay when you're actually playing you know that's that's just off the top of my head i feel like that would work really well with the legacy the week-long events as well at that point where you can reward people for doing certain things like if they get extra points on the point total side things like that so that the reward is not so much maybe in game play but kind of around the entire event itself. Right. Yeah. And we've done things like that and that's been successful in the past. I know Robert's mm-hmm. done some stuff where you know you get rewards for pulling off your thematic combo that actually count more than the win in the yeah. long term, you know. Or there were there were two tracks. There was the like, you know, everybody is paying a few dollars so there's an actual small cash prize at the end for the one that has the most wins as opposed to if you have the most points, maybe you get like an actual product prize or something like yeah. that. Kind of that two track thing. Then everybody, the ones that want to just go for broke and I want to win no matter what, great. And the ones that and people that enjoy doing those kind of interesting combos and making those things work, there's kind of a place for both of them. That's actually a really good idea. I like that, Patrick. Yeah. All right. Well, any other thoughts before we sign there's off? A, there's a fine balance there. Actually, yeah. I do have one one more question I want to ask, and it's a very popular question to ask, and we haven't asked it on the show yet. So I would like to ask all of you, if you could add an IP to Dice Masters for the theme that you enjoy, what IP would you add? <laughs> Mm, interesting good chris your thoughts i know you've got some <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i was just chuckling because uh the last time we were asked that question i don't i'm just wondering if andy's going to give the same answer again yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, know what's going oh, I, I remember what it was yes i remember what andy said <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was just wondering uh, i would like some of the more obscure comic book ips in the mix Perhaps Image Comics or or like a DC Vertigo, some of the kind of outlier brands in there. 
Um, I think mm-hmm. I'd be really eager to see. But I, I come from the broad school of nerddom, <laughs> so I'd be very happy with a mix of stuff. I could, you know, yeah, I can, I can pretty much get down with anything that's geeky. <laughs> Andy, what? Here's your chance, man. We're queuing you up. I won't be so predictable. Um, uh, <laughs> what, what, what I th- thought we. we 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 covered this um, on our uh, live stream for our third anniversary, which can be found at the Ministry of Dice dot com. Um, well, actually, BritRollerSix dot com. Yeah. Um, also on uh, Ministry of Dice uh, forward slash yeah. YouTube dot com or YouTube slash Ministry of Dice dot com. I don't know. I'm and, failing and at my link job. <laughs> the majority, Luke and excluded, of us who play are between kind of late twenties, late fifties of an older era. And there's 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 a lot of eighty stuff that I'm sure people would go mental about, and it's it's come popular again. So things like Back to the Future, Aliens, Predator, Ghostbusters, Knight Rider, Airwolf, A Team, that kind of late eighties, completely unpolitically correct <laughs> stuff <laughs> that, that we all enjoyed back then. Um, <laughs> uh, Under Siege with Steven Seagal, stuff like that, which which. <laughs> which which would, would Arnie, really Arnie well I'm supposed you not our... mention the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff <laughs> I was say Predator but you know you could have a though like, yeah I, I don't need to list off his, his <laughs> great filmography but yeah I think that would be fantastic uh, um, as well as that I think Pornhub would be really good as well <laughs> <laughs> there it is there it All is right. <laughs> Patrick <laughs> there it is I made it so there you could edit it out <laughs> I would actually like to see an Adult Swim from Cartoon Network Uber set. I feel like there's a lot of fun characters in there. This all comes from me wanting to play an Aqua Teen Hunger Force team, (laughs) mostly built around Meatwad and Carl, I think would be great. But there's just, they have so many, like, I'm thinking of the old school C-Lab 2021, Space Ghost, and then even the newer ones like Rick and Morty. Like, those characters, I think, could be a lot of fun and would just introduce kind of a fresh, multiple fresh IPs into everything. And I've seen them do that with other types of products, like the little Funko Pop minis and things like that. So there seems to be a path to license kind of the whole kit and caboodle, as it were. Right. Yeah, I know. There, there was a period yeah, of time where... Golden Girls in the Funko Pop. <laughs> right. You know... I would... We'll play that too. Sounds good. Let's do it. There was, there was a period of time where I know WizKids <laughs> licensed uh, Marvel versus Capcom, so I know people were excited about possibly mm-hmm. getting the Capcom characters in. But for me, I recently saw that Marvel had hired Alex Ross to do the cover for a new comic, the Ultraman comic from the old Ultraman 60s, original 60s Japanese monster TV show. And boy, I thought that would mean there's so many characters who have abilities and crazy things like that. I thought, well, maybe if it falls within the Marvel Universe, WizKids get get their hands on having all the Ultramans and Ultra Sevens and the various monsters that he has to defeat weekly. I thought that would be cool. And and I, and I always was a huge Godzilla fan as a kid, so I always felt like a good Toho set would be great yeah. to see. You know, I, I know they recently showed up in Magic the Gathering, so I don't think we have a chance at it. But uh, yeah, what um, about you, Luke? What's what's your your big wish? No, definitely like Japanese monster movies were my childhood. I want I want a set of that. But the other thing I would want is probably uh, I think the Elder Scrolls universe definitely could have a good set if they could do something good with D and D. I think that the Elder Scrolls sets would be so much better because it's it's got the concreteness that a good universe would benefit from in Dice Masters. And it's just also so diverse that each set could have its own feeling while still 
obviously being part of that Elder Scrolls brand. One of the ones you were talking about, I heard you talk about earlier, was the Attack on Titan. You know, oh yeah, we need really an Attack on Titan. We need an Attack on Titan set as well. That would be good for like one set, though. That's yeah. a problem. It's not a universe. It'd be good for one set. But with good flip cards, right? Good flip cards. That would be that would be good. No spoilers, though. Actually, you might have to edit that out. It's too much of a spoiler already. Yeah. Hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Is there anything else that I've forgotten today that you want to talk about while we're on the subject of theme that we should hit before we holler? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think we got it. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time this evening in, in the UK and, and here in the afternoon here in southern california but thanks again and uh we will talk to you again soon no worries thanks for having us bye thank you okay goodbye (laughs) (laughs) well that was a deep dive into theme it's interesting one of the reasons i wanted to define the concept as it relates to the game and even though we were all defining it similarly was that you could hear that each one of us had different reasons for why we thought theme was relevant or important. For example, Chris stressed how the cultural impact of a character should factor into the design of cards so that you could actually build a semi-competitive casual team around, say, the Joker or Superman even. Which would be great. For sure. But interestingly, I found myself focusing on hoping that the designers could use some of the eccentric abilities of, say, some of the outlier characters in these comic universes as inspiration to add some unique and cool-slash-fun abilities to the game. Like the Harvey Bullocks of the world, so to speak. Yeah, those kinds of cards are fun. That's the kind of thing that Heroclix does really well, partly because it's been around for so long, but you can find Clix figures for characters that appeared in, like, one panel back in the 70s. The point I'm trying to make is they have a figure for literally everyone. <laughs> and if that panel provides inspiration for a new fun mechanic in the game, I'm all for it. Seriously, though, I don't think this is an either-or proposition, but rather a yes-both-please. As if it isn't hard enough to design cards already and maintain a balanced game. For sure. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback on these things, and absolutely, it's not easy. That's one of the reasons I wanted to recognize those times they've hit it out of the park, and also to make a little Christmas list for those characters, you know, the ones that might have originally drawn us into the game, that we secretly wish would get a little more time and attention. Once again, a big thanks to Patrick on his debut performance. And to Chris and Andy, who are always a joy to have on the show. If you'd like to get more of their brand of Dice Masters content, be sure to subscribe to their Ministry of Dice podcast and their YouTube channel. Especially if you like the thematic discussions like we engage in today. I know Chris just recently put out a couple videos on some of the Dice Masters organized play events and how those cards tied into the Marvel storylines from which they were based, so check those out. And where might we find them? Go to BritRoller6.com. Or you can find links in our show notes at... RollingThunder.xyz forward slash 216 for Season 2, Episode 16. Shall we hit it and quit? Let's hit it and quit. My galore, Maharja. Until next time, Slangafold! Well, that's the end of Turn 5, my friends, and it's time for the final clear. We hoped you enjoyed today's show. You can find us at RollinThunder.xyz, without a G or an apostrophe, where you'll discover all the links necessary to listen or subscribe to the show. 
You can also reach us by email at arge or lucan at rollandthunder.xyz. Our theme music was created by Jesse Weiner. We're in no way affiliated with WizKids, other than we love and celebrate the game of Dice Masters. So keep on rolling, August Narlagajia the Lao. We'll be talking again in two weeks' time with another guest. So stay tuned. Enough said. Well, we didn't get to do another Hall of Fame. Can, we, can I give myself another nomination so I can <laughs> get up, get, get a little bit higher? <laughs>